you coming back in here with dusty jerseys. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jerseys now. Look at anybody go and sit and have a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. Five in a row, done and dusted, the greatest team of all time are All-Iron Champions yet again. Welcome to Three Man We with Buzz out of the EGA podcast. Morris Brosnan here, delighted to be joined by Mark Farley and Mick McCarthy as usual. Lads, how's the form? No, not too bad, not too bad at all, Morris. Okay. I'm going to start with a really um, nice opener for you. Mark, I'll go to you first. Are Dublin the greatest team you've ever seen? <laughs> Straight to it. No, <laughs> no pussyfooting about. I think so. There's a part of me like... You always end up rooting kind of for the Kerry, or not Kerry, but just for the underdog in general. You know, like, I think a lot of the country would be like, it would be great to see Kerry, and just to change things up or whatever. But in the, during like the closing montage that the Sunday game highlight show played at the end of the night, I was kind of sitting there going, do you know what? I'm actually delighted that Dublin won. There was just a feeling like you're looking through and you're going, there's been so many stories that we were cutting from different clips of when of, of each of the All-Ireland wins, all the different things that happened, the different storylines that have gone through it. And you'd kind of be like, Jesus, when we look back in 40 years, if they had been beaten, it would have been such a shame yeah. to not have it to look back on that we can say, do you know, as uh, uh, John Horne was saying on the Sunday game, he was like 135 years of All-Ireland finals. And this is the first time in either code that a county has managed to win five of them in a row and we were there to see it in our in our pomp since you <laughs> um, and like they have there's so many to figure, even though it's different clips like little things like da- even just down to like Darren Daly doing a Sean Michaels kip up back in like 2015 or 14 against Kerry and, like little things that you just like when you look through it in the highlights of the years that like that there'll be so many things that you could take joy from from all the different different wins different finals obviously some of the championship runs you know in July and and well June and July I suppose it wasn't great to look at no very forgettable but come the All-Ireland finals come some of those semi-finals as well I think there'll be so many when someone goes to write the book on it there'll be so many different stories it's funny you say that because the that that's what I find with Dublin nearly every year is that like I'm getting I'm almost angry with them by the in by the Leinster final but like and then through the Super 8s but by the time the All-Ireland final is done and dusted I've kind of grown to really like the team Munster challenge but it's exactly what you said I found myself now the game was you know, when the game was still in the balance at about 10 minutes ago and I found in the first day as well it just dawned on me that it's like I don't really want this team to not win five in a row I didn't I didn't know that I wasn't supporting them if anything I was wanting Kerry to win yeah. technically but it's just like they deserve it I, I want them to do the history I actually can't it would have been this. say if Kerry had got two goals in the last five minutes everybody jumping up and down excited And but when the dust settled I don't know if I wanted to see the dubs with their face in the ground having yeah. lost history in the last minute, you know, I think, and I think that is a sign that we're both feeling that way, despite leaning towards the underdog, as Mark said, I think is a sign that they are the greatest team and that they've given us something that we've never seen before, you know? I, that, that is the, what you just said there, that what we've never seen before, I think that is actually the key point about this dumb team. My, my own personal feeling on this right is that, um, like, I, since the, I was obviously at the game on Saturday and since then I've kind of, like, been like a lunatic reading everything and kind of consume as much coverage as possible trying to like I think it's you know you read I've read some weird stuff like over the last two days I've read that you know Jim Gavin is underrated and Stephen Cluxton is underrated and Brian Howard is underrated and Kilkenny is underrated I was like sure does anyone rate the shower at all like but but then at the same time I do think it's a really hard thing to articulate the the absolute awesomeness of this Dublin team like I'd 
But words like intensity and desire and hunger, we've used them before. They don't apply to this team. Like they apply to lesser teams. This team is on another stratosphere to those teams. And I think it demands a lot more. So I don't think they're underrated, but just trying to convey the sheer, this absolute like mercilessness of this team in every facet of the game. I mean, to be there in Crow Park on Saturday, lads, like in, not only in terms of their, their press or their tackling or the way they approach attacking or their defensive work or the way they use their bench in not bringing on uh, Hogan. Like they're mean. They're a real mean edge to this team, which you have to have. But I, I, I've never seen anything the likes of it. They're, and they're so economical in what they do, even though they're moving at 100 miles an hour. They're, 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 they're kind of like a heavyweight boxer that doesn't really miss a punch. Like, I remember a while ago, Mark, I was showing you a clip from the uh, Mayo-Dublin game of Brian Fenton and of him carrying the ball forward, laying it off. I think Paul Manning got turned over, tracking back, and then the, turning the ball back over on the other side. And I, I showed it to you, and I was like, this is incredible. And I remember you were kind of saying, yeah, well, I mean, he's not moving that quickly. Like, he's gone from one end of the field to the other. But, I mean, his his output wasn't huge. And I was like, I, I think like it's not only their output, it's the fact that he did all that running and impacted the play on both sides of the field. It was like he was central to, they don't actually waste movement. If you want to see the economical way they use the ball, look at the fourth point, Kieran Kenny's on his right, the fourth point they scored in this game where he comes straight out in the line, gets the ball, lays it off, gets it back again, lays it off, turns, runs straight back on, gets the ball off his shoulder and kicks the ball over the line. So it's a, it's a run that a lot of players run, but normally a player make a 100 metre like all out flash run just to pull somebody out of space. When Dublin make those run, they pull a player out of space, they take somebody else out, they get the ball, they get an assist. Like they do so much with what, what they have and they're doing more and getting more out of it consistently. And I've never seen a team do that before in any sport. I've never seen a team maximise every minuscule of their performance to the way that this Dublin team do. Yeah, like the point, everybody saw, like a lot of people actually brought up the point that Dean Rock got near the end yeah. of the shoulder, which is a brilliant score. But even in the build-up to that, if you look at... Um, I think it was James McCarthy just came running the ball they were coming, coming out of the back line and there wasn't much happening and James McCarthy like, it was a, it was a counter attack though and the Kerry players are trying to get back and McCarthy just runs across the field in a full sprint and up like sort of in a loop up brown up under the Hogan stand and Kerry players are just putting arms out trying to it was like <laughs> desperate it was almost like zombies trying to you know uh, grab you before you get that door shut in a, a movie and uh, they weren't able to keep up with that energy that late in the game even the Conor Callaghan thing that uh, in the first half with Morley where you know what is it should you know people say right when the letters of law it wasn't a black card but it's one of those fouls that should be should warrant it because it's cynical or whatever but Colin Callaghan was back last man back making that tackle he didn't ship any responsibility there when Morley went bombing forward but what's- and then other people like Michael Fitzsimons coming in there which who didn't who got the ticket didn't even actually make a foul his challenge in the first half as well hand in nobody was talking about Michael Fitzsimons until the final nearly in terms of the year he's been having but Aidan O'Rourke has impended his footballer of the year and like then you say right well maybe Fitzsimons should it be Kilkenny should it be Conor like Kieran Kilkenny was arguably from the last from the 60th minute say in the first game he's been the best player on the pitch for the final and those last 10 like the squeaky bum time I suppose you call it he might even get an all-star never mind he could be player of the year Conor Callaghan uh, Stephen Cluxton Brian Howard Fenton Jack McCaffrey we were talking about being head and shoulders above everyone on the best team of all time last week and he's not going to be near the running for player of the year 
and just to add to what you're saying there the Conor Callahan like the to show how economical they are what they do like that's Conor Callahan flat out running all the way back really kind of like mean but also intelligent in what he did like he, he, he pulled his, his near arm so it's a clear foul but there's no way he'd get anything like in reality people are saying oh he should have gone back and give him a yellow card it's probably only a ticking it's only the circumstance that he's in like, like, was even a foul. like he, he's so clever with how he what he did there but then his instant reaction to that after they kicked the score he's the one who simultaneously while because he's on the wrong end of the pitch he's driving back up the other end gets on the ball drives through the centre turns gives it off to Dean Rock on the loop and it's a score like they're so I don't know how they do it just everything movement they do is maximised to to kill whoever up against yeah and they can kind of adapt to whatever circumstances they're in so we haven't like you talked earlier on the year about how Kieran Kilkenny's a different player now than he was two or three years ago he's a scoring machine now but then he hasn't been since he's been back to kind of the Kieran Kilkenny that we kind of knew and then when it needed in the first half right okay Dean Rock's going to have a little bit of a closer eye on him this week right okay I'll just score three points in 10 minutes you know and he got four <laughs> altogether you know and it was just like right okay this is what we talked about this is about this is the player he developed into went back into being the super effective possession footballer that he has been his whole career but was, a, was able to marry the two of them when they needed him to do it in the All-Ireland final like that just sums everything up for me for them We'll talk more about the game in a second. We're also going to have, we're going to debate our, we've done a rolling all-stars in the Balls the office all year actually since the very first championship game and we're going to try and nail down a final 15 and pick a young player of the year and player of the year as well. Um, we've talked a bit about Dublin there. Kerry, Kerry's approach in this game, Mark, was interesting. They actually, like, we talked about in our preview this, we talked about what they did in terms of not really tagging a lot of Dublin's key men but trying to fill the space and they probably took that to another extreme this um, time where they again like same, same thing again actually nobody Demir O'Connor started on Jack McCaffrey but definitely wasn't following him everywhere was trying to get forward and like play his game as well it wasn't a dedicated tiger uh same thing with fenton and uh, and barry it's same thing again like he's not he's not following them everywhere the only one that really out, outside like you've obviously got your man markers in your full forward in the inside line but outside of that the only player that i could see anyway um so i, I was at the game and i've watched it back once and i watched the sunday game uh the only player that i could see who really tried to tag outside of that was Spillane on Brian Howard he tried to follow him as closely as he could now there was a period midway through the, the first half where he actually realised that it wasn't kind of working and went drove forward and actually kicked the point kicked, kicked the score on his right um, but other than that he tried to somehow limit Brian Howard but it's, it's the same issue again like they, they are closing off the space and doing it really well but it, like this Dublin team only need a fraction like you only need to throw them a glint of a door so you get a scenario where Conor Callaghan will skim past Thomas Sullivan and is racing down and goes on his left foot and Paul Murphy shows him onto the left foot so the goal chance has gone off but he just popped it over the bar anyway and uh, like you, you've done you've limited him in terms of him going for a goal but you can't limit him in terms of stop it, keeping him like scoreless certainly I think the big difference between the first day and the second day whatever tactics you know were, have changed as well you know pushing up a kick out not pushing up a kick out to whatever was the difference between Dublin having 14 men on the pitch with the lead in the second half and having 15 men like really the game just came down to that goal even though Kerry did well and got back into it and you know came back I think they come back to a point down after that or at least two points down anyway like you know they didn't capitulate in any way like straight after the goal which could have happened Dublin didn't get to open up that massive lead but they were always just able to manage the game then coming down the home stretch Kerry started to panic a little bit wasted chances yeah probably were going for a goal when sometimes they didn't need to go for a goal. Um, but that was all born out from just one 
error one structural error that you're like do you someone hold down merchant do you whatever it was in terms of that you know ways you could stop that goal happening that was that was basically it like <laughs> once that happened Dublin were just able to keep possession you know they didn't like there's so, so you, you, you can't do much then you're playing the game on their terms rather than your own it's funny I, I want like we talk about the goal but I had a, the mistakes you're talking about and maybe the panicking and at the time I'm thinking like Kerry's heads are gone like there was times when the ball was like just dropping out of their hands they were losing possession in the really weirdest of ways but I suppose my question to Morris as you were at the game it dawned on me maybe afterwards like that might not have been mental it might have been just actual physical exhaustion because Dublin gave them such a run around did you get the sense that Kerry were tired at I, the end of the game yeah, nothing like, left to give like. so I actually was going to save this for later but just that you bring it up I think it's really interesting that you say that so Kerry's it was really interesting what happened after about the 45th minute. So at, at half time, they sent three players down to warm up. So I was sitting on the Hogan stand side. So Spillane, Tommy Walsh and Gavin White went out to warm up. And you see, you know, you see uh, like both of you have been at games and you see players go out in trios, do their five minute warm up, go back up into the stand and someone, another trio come down. It's just to keep players kind of warm throughout. They never went back up. So until all the, those three went, came on, they were warming up continuously because throughout, the, from early on in the second half, Paul Murphy was going down with cramp. David Moore went down with cramp. Gavin Crowley, at one stage, I was like, geez, he's finished. He looks absolutely crocked here, rolling out his back. And so it got to a stage where it actually frazzled everybody. It got to a stage where um, before Gavin White came on, before Gavin White came on, Spillane was, I don't know if they, they didn't show this. I watched this game back and they didn't show this. Um, Spillane was stripped, entirely stripped, like had jersey off. The whole thing was standing Yeah, no, they did show him. They showed him ready to come on and actually Jerk Hanning got confused like 10 minutes later going... Killing Spillane, is he on? I, I thought I, I, we saw him ready to go. So you know? Tommy Griffin yeah. came sprinting back over across. So it was Tommy Griffin. Tommy Griffin was on the field. He he was on the field. Spent a lot of time in the field. Came running back over across. W- went spoke to uh, Peter Keane, and then they sent him back up and called down called down Gavin White because I think Spillane was going to come on for a back. I think he was going to come on in the half forward line. And Paul Murphy said, "No, I'm fine." He they actually eventually took off Murphy for Darren. That Wayne was right. Murphy had gone down with a hamstring at that stage. And like eventually he went off for cramp, but he ran off the hamstring. But it frazzled everything. Yeah. So because the ta- plan was, we'll introduce plan here. There'll be a, an element of, of of chaos. This is where he like I was the jargon. This is where he'll thrive, and it it ended up offsetting everything. So plan goes back up. Tommy Walsh looked like I, I don't want to cast anything on him. He looked seriously pissed off at how long he was down there waiting. Like he was he was not shaking his head, but definitely didn't was didn't have a happy head in him on on side and waiting for for to get the call. But because they were trying to adjust for what's going on in the field, there's so many players going down here. Like Murphy, before he went off, he was down three times before he went off. Now maybe that just takes somebody to say, just get him out of there, just mm. like at, at that stage. But they were in that. I I don't know if I can like I I am even myself when I was talking about the difficulty and articulating this at the very start. It's because I myself am finding the difficulty. Like yeah. the first half was the best first half of football I've ever been at. It was absolute insanity. Like it was the left twenty scores, but not only that. Like the level of this constant movement. It was absolute chaos in the first half. And there was that real sense around the stadium. Like it was just the best first half I've ever seen. And I think trying to recalibrate after that is such a difficult thing to do. And that, like you talk, we use cliches like, oh, they learn from this experience and stuff like that. This actually is where you learn from those experiences because that's where Dublin were so calm. Like, Dublin had made the decision before half time that Jack McCaffrey is coming off. They they'd made the, that decision was made, and everything else was they were so calibrated in what they did after that. Whereas Kerry were still trying to adjust to what was an insane first half and a couple of different players with niggles and stuff like that. And then Spillane is down, kid off, standing around for a couple of minutes waiting to come on, doesn't come on, sends him back up. Gavin White comes back down. Like it got to the stage where Spillane 
after he realized he wasn't coming back on, went back up into the stand. They ran up to the stand, so no, keep warming up. So he comes back down out of the stand, starts warming up again. Like the whole thing was just, like it became disjointed. And I think it was just because the, the sheer, like I, you can plan and meditate for all this stuff, but when you're actually in that scenario, I just think your brain was, was frazzled. It goes back to Mark's point then about like you throw in a goal after nine seconds into that when you've had such a good first half and a good like Kerry really impressed by how they just didn't panic and stayed with Dublin in the first half and that was kind of thinking geez you'll be very hard getting rid of these lads because they did it the first day they did it again this time they just weren't rattled at all by Dublin starting off like a house on fire you know and you're thinking Jesus there's a lot of teams that could go down 9-2 here before you even realise the game's gone yeah you know and Kerry didn't do and that even after the goal for the first 20 minutes of the second half bar the goal Kerry matched Dublin score for score and that's why it's so remarkable that they did kind of disappear. They did kind of give up early. Maybe it's a give up's the wrong word, but again, I think Morris has explained it quite well there as to why it happened or how it happened. And I think that's something that Kerry needs to. And if you look at Peter Keane at the end of the year and you analyse his first year and he did a lot of things, one of those things is, you know, if Paul Murphy's not right and the plan is to take off a back and bring on Killian Splant, just do it. You know, like you can't be worrying about lads. They're never going to tell you they're going off. He's a warrior. He's a captain in this team in the All-Ireland Final. He's going to think he can go forever, you know. And maybe it doesn't suit. Maybe the, originally you're taking off um, Brian O'Bugley. Go on, give me his name. Brian O'Bugley, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't too far off. Um, you know, but you change it to Murphy because he's injured or whatever it is. You have to just go and do it. You can't be worrying about lads giving out to you or being sour about it you know yeah and like and I actually think that it might even apply to I think David Moan was absolutely cracked as well and again same thing do we trust us hope he can eke it out a bit more but maybe that's what it takes like maybe it just takes to, to step in and do uh, it you would my question is if it isn't Jim Gavin and Jack McCaffrey's at 85% and still able to run around. Does every other manager leave him on because he's Jack McCaffrey, or do you say, do you know what? We just need fifteen lads at full pace out there, like you know. Yeah, the goal, like right. So there's two different elements to this. Um, there's the fact that Kerry didn't get a, what would have been. It's just such a crucial goal, and the Dublin's goal. Before we talk about Dublin's goal, um, I just want to talk about the how Kerry struggled to get a goal and the best goal chance they actually had. So like the, a lot was made of the Stephen O'Brien one. The, coming off, on, off the touchline and Cluxon's save there now the save wasn't great but you see what Cluxon did I just thought it was interesting like he, obviously his positioning was great narrowed the angle and then just before O'Brien is going to drop the ball he clapped his hands just boom clap like I'd say like whatever, it just in terms of as an atmosphere even for that just like a little these are all like really small margins stuff that has a big difference but eventually O'Brien kind of just like kind of frazzled just yeah. boomed it straight at him I'll tell you another subtle thing he did he waited every other goalkeeper would have been two three steps nearer to O'Brien and let him just pass it which was the obvious pass to get which is what he should do Cluxton waited and waited like as if he was saying to him I know you're passing this ball I'm going and I think that kind of put him off and made him go for the shot as well you know, um, so Johnny Cooper was class as well in that. Like people, get, yeah, not space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People say, oh, "Oh, he should have passed there," but I don't know if it was on. Like, your pass it wasn't as clear as it ever, was as on. The com- he, it was on when he was shooting, but your decision to shoot and your shot don't happen simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of where it kind of breaks down. In that, like, he probably is looking should have passed should have shoot, and Cooper's there in the way, and then the minute O'Brien Cooper judges that brain's like, right, I'm going to have to shoot. Cooper then drops back onto the line to be behind Cluxton in case the shot gets through. And at that stage, then the pass is on to Ganey. But, like, you can't... He's not, he's not He's not superhuman. Maybe he should have feigned to shoot and then give mm. the pass. But that's 
you know, but a better but shot. But Stephen O'Brien, <laughs> it was a very tight angle. It was very yeah. hard to do. But, anthem, but that, that wasn't corner. that wasn't Kerry's best score chance by any stretch of imagination. Kerry's best score chance is Paul Ganey's yeah. first point. Paul exactly. Ganey's first point on his left foot. The, like whatever about. I mean, Jim Gavin can talk all he wants about the work Gluckson has done in his positioning. His positioning for that was awful. He was so close to his right post. There was a massive gap gaping all to the left. But what happened there was that four balls had gone long. Three of them went in on top of. Davy Byrne and Ganey standing together. Ganey's good in the, in the air and he caught one but dropped it. But suddenly, he's in his head, he's thinking, we've four turnovers here, our ball's going along. We have to just get something. So he, and ball, his ball drops on his left foot and he's moving from right to left. So he's moving away from the side that's gave him. But in that, that was the, like, if he just hit that ball, directed that ball back across goal into that corner, it was an like absolute surf goal. But I think given the circumstances of the long ball, at the, the first four trying it out, they had Bernard and Ganey isolated on the edge of the square, it not working off, and then him getting that chance, he just thought, oh, we just have to take something here. But that was, if there was any, if they had a goal chance in this game, that was it there. He just had to, I think against this Dublin team, like it's, it's really harsh to point, like to criticise somebody for not taking it there. But it's also, you have to try and match this Dublin team, and in that scenario, Dublin take that chance. Yeah, definitely. It was, I'm going to look back and going, it's kind of hard, like at the pace he was at, and there were, a few Dublin players getting back or kind of if he had to take another play out of it or slow down at all he would have just been smothered up yeah. so it was he nearly was going to have to hit it on the run on his left and bury it in the net so like, it's not an easy thing to do so that you forgive him that way but it definitely was a it was a guilt head channel that said you're like Jesus that, that was, a, there was a goal on there so moving on to the Dublin goal then um, we've talked a lot about what they do off throw-ins they ran the exact same thing the literally exact same thing for the very first throw, the first half at the start their, their entire half forward line just trying to vacate that space and leave a, like a corridor of room uh, the thing that the difference in that scenario is that what Dublin defenders always do and you saw this with the long ball with the ball going to top again they abandon the men entirely and drop into space and if the ball breaks they're going to be there to pick up the break so even sometimes the ball might drop it along and gain your break in front of himself which normally you're thinking one on one not a bad chance of you getting that ball back but a Dublin defender was always there straight away to pounce because they'd read what was going on and Kerry's particularly I think Tyg Morley did not read what was happening they just sticked with their men kind of blindly and suddenly even man screaming down with acres of space the, the, I watched this back on Sky Sports so I assume it was the same camera angles like I, I would assume so the view from behind the goal of the space up and up the, when you see it from that angle it's so glaring that you just you have to that's scenario like he's not any threat out there and when you have a man steaming down the middle just leave your man and try and fill the space like try and it's like that defensive instinct to just go to the ball yeah it's both bad like that's poor by Kerry but also like so well drilled and good by the by the double yeah. forwards O'Callaghan in particular because he kind of he almost didn't drift he sort of stayed in that dangerous position the whole way and just kept almost two men away from I thought the, the Dublin forwards just so well drilled for that like you know that's a, a set piece move really like you know so we talked a lot what's about what's Moran doing though like I mean we have to think about that you know it's in like I, I thought David Moran like I mean why didn't there's not like if you're going to just bat the ball totally free into space you should surely be thinking of where's that going is it like it's a bit old school almost it's, midfield to just hit it forward isn't Kerry it like, set move though as well yeah and they to just who, didn't win it. <laughs> well to who wasn't sean o'shea or whoever's in the half he wasn't there though it was it was empty yeah, space but, that merchant came into but you're look like david moran's looking at the ball and the referee and like you're going to throw up sometimes it's like right well you know if it is, especially if it's a set move it's like i'm going up here i'm going to punch this ball i'm going up here i'm going to punch this ball and when you go up and there's no one around you 
it's like all that's been in his head for it's very hard to just adjust yeah, and catch just, it. Just yeah. you're, not, you're literally not looking so you have no idea what's going on around you so if that's a set move like I know he had probably should have caught it but it's 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 a lot more it's not as glaringly obvious that he should have caught it to the person in the throw up <laughs> but yeah and like I didn't realise there was criticism more from that like if I if my midfielder went up to try and catch a throw ball I'd kill him like, yeah. you, you have to break that ball like you ha- like the I think it's, it's your program. It was a very definitive break right down to the middle I see what you mean there was yeah. nobody yeah. there as opposed to not I'm saying in that moment you catch it I completely get Mark's point I know you don't generally catch them but in this case he actually had 10 yards of space <laughs> around him it was, was, funny, Stephen, was it Stephen O'Brien was trying to get in as well like and, this, and, and John Small just was holding up like that was Fenton that was Brian, that was genius at the very start of that play when that ball play. breaks uh, Merchant is running with Stephen O'Brien and Fendi no, no, just this is before that oh sorry yeah yeah as in and that, by the time David Moran connected with the throw up which uh, again it's another rule that the GAA just seemed to have abandoned about players being outside being inside the, the, the respective zone. hockey yeah, 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 yeah. The John Small was basically in the throw up <laughs> was, like, like, if you look at it look back at it it's mad and I think it's I presume it's I can't really see couldn't really see in the camera but I presume it was O'Brien with him so he blocked him off yeah he blocked him off from getting in under the break as well so there was basically probably two illegal uh, as well yeah. as a load of steps so yeah, cause, two cause, illegal pick plays in that because uh, <laughs> as Merchant gets his hands on the ball watch the sorry I've got it up on my phone here look at that look at that in the bottom, bottom of the screen so, and so keep playing that and watch what Brian Fenton does next as that ball goes down Brian Fenton just turns his back into O'Brien and just like O'Brien is the only player who would have stuck stride for stride with Merchant there because Merchant is so quick but Fenton just turns his back into him and just stop, just stops oh, yeah. him for, do, you see him? Just, do you see it that's, that's a black card that's, <laughs> that's brilliant though it's, br- like, it's brilliant because that's the, the, his primary tracker in that scenario the player who would stick with him hand in hand in eventually realised shit I need to pull him down is I think that Shawnee Shea did it but yeah that's, and, that's mad and he just turns not, nudges him out of the way like just stops him from tracking that run and that's that's the primary man who's trying to track him all the way. And after that, then Moran tries to get back, but he's he's just punched the ball. He's at a standing start, won't won't catch up on him again. And then you're trying to get other players to scramble to readjust, and it yeah. just it just doesn't happen. And within ten seconds, this game like that was it. For the, I I think that was such a decisive moment in mm. this game because at the back of Kerry's minds, you're constantly thinking we have to try and claw back to get that. Anyone anyone on Twitter? Search. That's actually I didn't spot that at all. That's my so there's three fouls, goals. including the overcarry. I don't think it's a foul. Like I mean, I'm it only is a foul. <laughs> there's two fouls in that. Like you know, but the overcarry. Uh, we never mentioned the steps. It's <laughs> massive overcarry. Now I will say, right? There's sometimes you hear overcarry. It happens more in hurling. I think where it's like, ah, geez, he took 15 steps or something. He was bursting through at a speed that is hard to even comprehend and he was bouncing he was running so fast that he bounced the ball like five yards in front of him and you know so he was taking a lot of steps through that uh like it was obviously a lot of steps but what i'm saying is he was like it was like it never felt like he wasn't soloing I know what you mean, yeah. Do you know? I think it would have been a hard one for a referee to even comprehend what like, was happening. And according, according to Conor O'Rourke, it was only small steps anyway, so, so why, why does it matter? Boss, did he had that tweet, I think, earlier on, that he might, he might have stolen that from us. Um, <laughs> also, I was counting, he did it in the first half as well, at the, very near the beginning of the first half, I think he might have set up a point from it. Uh, Merchant somehow manages to take three steps in the time from the ball leaves his boot on a solo until it's back in his hands again. So you're going to kick the ball up and it drops back down into your hand. He takes three steps. Mm. That, that's how small That's what I was saying. Are. And honestly, in the bounce as well, he is he's, he's running so fast that he's bouncing that ball well in front of him. Like, you know? So he's taking a lot of it out on solo. You know that passage, the three-minute passage of... Um where Dublin kept the ball for ages. The, yeah. It's been like already over-analyzed. But uh, 
I just, I, I won't say Janet. <laughs> he had nine steps there before, <laughs> before, before he finished it. I don't think he overcarried it up until that, though. Mixed uh, here, watch the back. Did you watch the, did you watch the Fenton thing, though? Um, Come on, keep going. Well, I'm talking, well, audio only podcast. There was, there was a chance where Merchant was coming on his right, coming on to the right, and just dummied back and kept possession and uh, hand passed back out. But I was like, in my head, I was screaming, thinking of you and your replays, man of the match quiz from last week. I was like, just put it over, and you've got man of the match sewn yeah. up here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was thinking that before we went off injury. I was like, Jesus, he uh, he was nailed, he could be nailed on here for man of the match, and be yet another replay man of the match. It's interesting moving on. Oh, sorry, replay man of the match. Those for those who didn't hear is that. In the last, was it four All Ireland final replays? Yeah. The man of the match was someone who didn't start the, the first the, day. The three hurling uh, and uh, the, the 2017, 2016 football final, This all the three, four replays this decade that it all happened. Yeah, I explained really well and curtly there. Um, do you, towards the end of the game then, as I mentioned, the subs was all... So I still think they were really slow, even after the chaos and the confusion that had happened in that kind of... 45th minutes kind of on period uh, I think they were way too slow to bring on Tommy Walsh uh, I think the game was crying out for him at that stage you could see Tommy Walsh went out to warm up Philly McMahon went out to warm up and then Tommy Walsh stayed down and Philly went back up so I think I was thought they had planned it and then eventually the two of them got up so once Tommy Walsh was curious coming on Philly was back on ready to come on Philly is pushing him on the sideline before he's even come onto the pitch like he's in his face he hits <laughs> dunt into the chest Tommy Walsh hits him a dunt back the two of them run on and you're straight away you're thinking like why even just from a neutral perspective why couldn't we have seen this five minutes earlier like it could have mm-hmm. it could have been some crack from there but he won three balls very straight away like you know he just didn't really seem to have the support up there I don't know whether again I think the legs were gone like I, yeah so uh, my, my th- thinking on that was right Tommy Walsh couldn't start the game even if they wanted to do this long ball thing, because we've actually talked about this on Friday, that's not the ball he wants. The ball yeah. in front of him is, is what he wants, whatever. The thing that you want in that scenario, if you've got a player like Tommy Walsh as that kind of outlet, or if it's Skaney, whoever it is on the inside, like you want to flood the area around him. Like You can't have... What you don't want is Dublin players idle or hungry for work. So they're immediately, if Tommy Walsh gets a ball, or if the ball's going to belong to Skaney, they're like, well, we don't have a... Ma- Johnny Cooper, I don't have a man here, so I can drop off and flood... Tommy Walsh or I can drop off and flood Ganey and clean up a break or double team him up or shepherd him out to the sideline where he's no threat like so I think if you're going to go long in that scenario you it's not actually just about one long man it's about at least two potentially even three but the other three aren't like they're not looking for primary possession but they're there to farm off yeah. Tommy Walsh and Kerry just didn't do that like no. at that stage they didn't have players to feed off him the way that you would all of the best Tommy Walsh moments we've seen this year is him in tandem with somebody else. Like, it's not yeah. him. I, I, it's too much of an expectation on a guy to win his own ball and then kick it over against this Dublin team. Like, I think there needs to be more, more conjoined thinking there. And in the end, it just proved I kind of like too little too late, really. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What was the thinking? This is kind of off point a little bit because Kerry did get back into it and the first half was far from where they lost the game. But what was the thinking behind the four big high balls into the square? And, like, they didn't score until they stopped doing it, you know? And then they were, geez, as soon as they stopped going, Kerry were, like, as good as Dublin for the rest of the first half, you know, and got back into the game. I just thought it was, I, I just, there was obviously a game plan there. There was obviously some thinking about it, whether it was a, whether it was a thought that Cluxton couldn't handle it or what. But they were just, I don't know, poorly executed. I didn't, whenever every single one of the balls went in live, I thought, oh, for God's sake. There's not going to be a score out of this, you know? Yeah, like, Three on one, including the goalkeeper. But Connor Miner had a theory that it was like, put four in and then stop doing it for a while. And just, like, just no, like, that is what they did, yeah. Yeah, like just kind of confused Dublin. Like if you, if, if you're, if your first ball, four balls are all long balls in, 
then the Dublin defence are going to sit way way deeper, and that you've then and then you can change up your plan. Maybe it's just something. Well, that I hope that. that is it because then I'm definitely a lot less angry about it. I think I give. I, yeah, I, I think that's giving it too much credit. I, I think it's as simple as you looked at the same final. You knew for a fact that Michael Fasano was going to take um, David Clifford. He was so uh, that means that that you I, in, Johnny Cooper probably wasn't going to take Ganey. So then you're like David Byrne on Paul Ganey. Paul Ganey's great in the air. All year, everybody's been talking about this Dublin. Dublin are vulnerable under the high ball. That's everybody's insane, including myself, for the past 12 months. So suddenly you've got a scenario where Clifford can come out in forest place. You've got Ganey one-on-one with David Byrne on the edge of the square. If you tell me that on Friday, I would have fancied their chances. I let in on top of it. Paul, yeah. Paul Ganey up against really the... one-on-one one was the issue. That, yeah, was, that was a problem. Was every time, every time yeah, yeah. Byrne knew he could spoil and whoever it was the other player who was dropping off there and that Dublin defender is so clever. Like, if you watch the first two balls that are coming in, before the their, that ball is kicked, but David Moran kicks one as well, before the ball is kicked, is you look at the matchup and you're like, that looks... Let it, I mean, all, by all means, kick that ball in on top of him. But what, as soon as it leaves his boot... Dublin defenders are abandoning their man, literally abandoning their man, and floating space in front of where the ball is going to go. Because they know our man is no threat now. We'll, we'll follow where the ball is going to go. So the ball goes in on top. And David Byrne then, in his head, is thinking, all I have to do is make sure that Paul Ganey does not catch this ball. I don't have to do anything else. Just make sure, if, if I can stop him from catching this ball, mm. I've done my job. And even so he, if he catches it, so, what's he going to do? So, so he gets up, first one breaks it out in front of him. So Paul Ganey, the ball actually bounces. In front, like The first one he catches and lets it drop. The second one bounces right in front of him. And you're thinking, get that ball and turn. And you're in on goal. But straight away, you've got Dublin defenders coming with their like their bodies are facing back towards their own goal, and they're arriving there into that space and get the ball back again. Like it, it's Dublin have a level of intelligence in those scenarios. Their ability to adjust just like like that, even though it's it's da- like. And I keep saying David Byrne as if David Byrne is a poor defender. He's a brilliant defender. But the, the I I just think that Kerry were thinking if we were to pick the weakest link in that in terms of how would we try and expose that, let it in on top of Ganey who's good in the air and Byrne who might not be as good. And, but it just happened that it was never they could never orchestrate it to be just those two going hammer tongs at it and then after as Mick said after the fourth one they just abandoned it and went back to trying to kind of move the ball that bit more and see they couldn't get a presence on the half forward line because Sean O'Shea was so well man marked and they couldn't really get that kind of direct ball inside because Kerry couldn't isolate their players inside there and then you're kind of in limbo in terms of now they got back into it really well the rest of that half but it just it was like I, I, I don't know I wouldn't be as harsh on their what they tried to do there than maybe others would be um, we'll move on to talk about our, 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 our rolling offsides in a second Jim Gavin lads the other is the only other thing um, here's what he said after the game I sit down with the county board and obviously review it. I have a professional side of this role and I've been for, uh, and I've been asked to do for the WJ and then obviously I have family commitments as well and it all goes into the mix. But now isn't the time to be. I commit to next year, so we'll reflect on it in a couple of weeks' time. I don't know if he's gone or not. In a sense, I totally understand if he was, but it's one of those scenarios that I think like it's worth acknowledging, but I don't think it's worth speculating over. Like whether or not he goes, I don't think this Dublin machine are going to slow up um, no. at any time soon. And yeah. same thing with Stephen Cluxton, I think. I think that's worth a discussion though because if Jim Gavin is like the person who puts all this together and he is as good as you know he's been made out to be and we think he is then that's a massive loss for a team to deal with that might also deal with the loss of their on-field manager and captain and inspiration Stephen Cluxton you add into that at least you know you're going to lead a, a dressing room leader and Bernard Brogan might might step away and then you're thinking about a lot of the 2011 guys how much do they have left they put you know I can't there won't be a mass retirement but you have to think that one or two of uh, Macaulay Philly McMahon 
you know, I don't know, Fitzsimons, Cooper, I'd imagine they're all there, McMenamin, uh, Keena Sullivan, you know, there's a lot of those guys. And we can say, oh, well, look, they're not the most important players anymore. But they're still there and they're still on the team and they're still being used as one of the 21 players that are used in the All-Ireland Final Day. If you look at who was on the pitch at the end of that game with Connolly, you know, uh, McMahon, McMenamin, all these guys were brought on. I'm obviously forgetting one or two. It was nearly all old guard, you know. They all start to drip off, drift, drift off. I know we're going to build a team around Con and Mannion and Fenton and... Uh, whoever else it might be but you suddenly start losing a few of them who like you know you need that squad of 25 able players that are going to be there and I think if you lose Jim Gavin on top of that as well there is just that question mark yeah. are they going to win the All-Ireland next year probably are they going to win it the year after you'd have to say even probably like it does look like there is a there's a machine as you said but I think there's definitely at least worth discussing what's next for Dublin when that 2011 crowd plus Gavin step away my, my, like yeah and I, I I think you're right but at the same time like the I, I, I wouldn't put too much stock in it from like from an opposition perspective if I was looking at the Dublin team I'm looking at how Comerford played in the league um, Sean McMahon who looked like he could be I don't want to put too much pressure on a, a upcoming fullback but he looks like he's got a huge potential what he's did earlier this year you look at what Bulger did against Tyrone you're looking at Kieran Archer destroying everybody that comes anywhere near no, him yeah, I know I, I, and I know that they're going to have great players that are going to come through I suppose it's not my point I th- I, I'm thinking more of a kind of a dynamic of a team is that like this was like I think it's important to note that this was a special special group of players and even though you're going to have good players coming through until they're tested until they're in there until they do what Fenton has done or Khan have done we don't actually know if they're going to be as good as these lads I'm, I'm just going to like I'm parroting the Sunday game our Saturday game I know but this is exactly like Conor Murray said like this team this is not the same team this is a totally different team like the, if you look at the changeover in the like he was talking about people comparing this four in a row comparing the five in a row team and the different like it's like that four in a row team had the same stock if you look at the spine of this team it's been revolutionised like you look at guys like Basic or now Darren McCauley they just they've ability to regenerate and that's what like the spine of the team I'm talking about like here Fenton, Brian Howard Paul Mannion Conor Callaghan they're 24, 25 euros like yeah, Jack yeah, McCaffrey sure. 26 the only thing is but it's, not, but it's it dismissing that the other half of that team aren't 24 25 year olds and they're also really important otherwise why would Philly McMahon have been brought on in an All-Ireland final Jim Gavin doesn't do sentiment they're not there for no reason why you know they're they're all still really important but that's players. not my that, they're still being picked ahead of these guys yeah, yeah I and think they're all coming to the end of their career and they're a special group of players that have won seven All-Irelands and it shouldn't be discounted that there's going to be a transition when they all go of course that's like that's not that's not my point like that's not what I'm trying to I'm just saying that this team have there's been no evidence that they can't regenerate as they have done for the last five years but all, there's also all, no evidence okay, that when they yeah, have you're to right do. you're right okay you're right Right. We'll move on. We'll move on. I, I don't think you're listening to my point. We'll move on. I'm absolutely listening to your point. I'm saying, though, that we don't know for a fact that they're going to go on and do it because we don't have the evidence of them actually doing it at senior level. Fair. That's totally... That, yeah, you're right. That's You're right. I'm. That's like... Uh, this team have done it all the way along. All I'm saying is that they have regenerated every single year as well. Like yeah. It's not dismissing those players. We're both saying the same thing here. Uh, the, just looking back here, eight players that played on Saturday played in the 2011 All-Ireland Final. There has to be more. Eight. No. Eight. Stephen Cluxton, Michael Fitzsimons, Keen O'Sullivan, James McCarthy, Michael Darren McCauley, wow. uh, Jeremy Connolly, Owen O'Gara, sorry, Owen, not Owen O'Gara, Philly McMahon, and Kev McManaman. And if Bernard Brogan, I think he was going to come on, um, there was definitely, he was definitely warming up, looked like come on, that would have been nine as well. That would have been nine. So that's half the playing team that are still that old guard that Mick's talking about. Yeah. So like there is... 
still quite like they, they probably can do it but it's still you are possibly replacing half your your match day squad who would you say was the first player that Jim Gavin mentioned in his interview post-match with Dubs GA TV or Stephen Cluxton Mick or is it somebody like Darren Day Bernard Brogan Onagara was it yeah he talked about just how like the different the player he was just you know the usual time players over how important he's like and lads like my own Gara, one of my favourite players mentioned a couple of other lads I think who hadn't met the squad as well but that just shows it the class as well that he was the first person he was talking about after the game on the Dublin dominance whether or not it'll continue after this the thing that I'm interested in really interested is that like uh, as I just mentioned they've got players coming of course they've got players coming but the like are those players coming at the same ability as a twenty year old David Clifford or like I also think that Kerry have demonstrated that they've also got players coming and like the the difference I think between this All Ireland final and maybe previous All Ireland finals like particularly Mayo I'm thinking in my head that was Dublin against Mayo a peak Mayo that was the best the Mayo at their their peak this is Dublin against and again I think this like. I'm not saying this is the peak for this Dublin team, but it's they're, as I mentioned earlier, they, they, what they're doing is unprecedented. Kerry are like Dublin are class, but Kerry are also coming. Like they're by no means at that peak yeah, level. If you look at like the All Ireland final in 2022, right? Like look, say, right, we look up three years ahead now. As, to Mick's point, Dublin are going to have to replace a lot more players than Kerry are going to have to replace. Like. You're I, which is totally fair probably yeah. like David Moore and just midfield in general is the worry for them in terms of youth coming through but at the same point whatever year hopefully that Kerry midfield should be able to improve like yeah. they're, they're kind of young lads that need that experience and like Jack Barry playing in two All-Ireland finals isn't going to do him any harm I keep going back to that the, of the, the draw game 15 players for Kerry players played in their first All-Ireland final like that just the it's such a cliche that I kind of don't want to say it, but like the the experience will stand to them so much. Like they, just because like it's a cliche because it's true. Um, since the start of the year, we've been rolling all stars in the office. This isn't a totally different concept to the actual all stars. Well, it should be the same concept, but it, it turns out it, it often isn't. Basically, what this is that after every week we pick the what should be the all stars and then judge off their collective performances. So this is a way to try and remember early, like early performances as well as the oftentimes they're weighted towards the end now when Mark Farley I think was the origin of this brainchild um, when Mark Farley first proposed this the Super 8s didn't exist and then teams towards the latter end of the year got an extra three chances to prove their worth compared to other teams and it kind of it undermined <laughs> the concept a small bit <laughs> but anyway this is the team we have right now lads right we've got Cluxton, Crowley, McNamee, Thomas Sullivan, Durkin, Keegan, Jack McCaffrey, Moran, Fenton, Howard, O'Shea, O'Brien, Mannion, uh, Khan, O'Callaghan, and McShane. That's the. Hogan at six, not Keegan. Just the, so that we. Uh, oh, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keegan's not in. Uh, Kyogen, yeah, Donald Kyogen at six. <laughs> um, so the Sunday game team picked their team. There's a lot of controversy about who they left out. I was thinking I'll run through a list of some players who could be close, and then you can tell me what suggested changes he have for the, the 15 players off the top of my bat that are, I think are close to pushing in now James McCarthy isn't in this team currently Michael Fitzsimons isn't in this team currently you look at the forward line is a nightmare to, to pick really Cullen Boyle is, is the third one actually who was in the Sunday game team of the year uh, he's as we just mentioned is Stone Kyohan who's at uh, six currently here forward line is a nightmare so right now we don't have David Clifford in this team um, outside of that, I, 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 don't, I don't know how much stock you can place in other counts. The only other one in terms of looking outside of maybe Dublin or Kerry is Michael Murphy, who is also not in this team. Now, as we said, 
I don't think there's a discussion there because we've been picking this team week on week and not as a collective of the year. So the only ones who could get in now are performers who've played in the draw game between Dublin and Kerry. Yeah, or in the, or in winning the, the replay nah, between Dublin and yeah. Kerry. Saturday, yeah. So have you, first off, are you, have you had any, both of you have suggested change, I would assume? Yes. Yes. Well, there were changes two made. and a half, as in, I know I want two and I kind of... I'm, I want you to talk me out of the third one because I think there's too much recency bias in it. Yeah, there were changes made when I was in, a t- in, a, How in, many abs- do you have? in absentia uh, after the drawing game uh, that I want to, I think to fix. But that's finished. You're not allowed to touch that. You can but, only go on... But, 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 but no, I can. I can bring... I can t- but I can funnily enough, though, before you make a point, I think the three of us are in agreement on that one, actually. I think. Michael Fitzsimons comes in for Gavin Crowley. Yes. And then, yeah, we're, so I think we're all on agreement there, right? How he's in the Michael Fitzsimons in, I don't know. The other On the other end of the field... Do all three of us want David Clifford back in? Yeah, uh, I'm torn. I do. Yeah, I have to be the man who protested the most, the most that have been taken out. The only reason I would argue against David Clifford coming coming back in is that I think Kieran Kilkenny needs to be in there somewhere, and I don't know if we can take two forwards out of that forward line. Well, that's uh, actually my question: is that I had Clifford coming in for Stephen O'Brien, who I've been banging on about for the entire year, but I think he was. Midland and two All Ireland finals, finals yeah. and I think that has to come into it eventually. And I think Clifford, if you look at the two games, both of them were in it coming into the final, and Clifford outperformed them a good bit. I think in the second game, right? So I think, yeah, I also my question was Kieran Kilkenny in for Paul Mannion, and for me, is that your half? Sorry, big. That's my half. That's okay, the yeah. one I want you to talk me out of because I think it probably is recency bias because I think overall Mannion probably had a better year than him, but then again. Especially you, Morris, you'll be the one to tell me all the great things that Kilkenny did that I didn't notice in the games coming up yeah, to I, the like, final. But Mick made a, Kilkenny or Clifford for Mannion. Just sorry on Mannion. Mick made a great point on Mannion before people start losing their head about that. Uh, like oh, this thing about Dublin's wides, the Mannion dropped two into Shane Ryan's hands in the first half. Like in terms of poor, like it, it's accounted for in conversion, but like it obviously doesn't go down in a wide. But that's still poor finishing. Like it's, it still go, should go in the same bracket as talking about whites like the just on the strength in your case to take Mannion out of this team can, can I make Rob Carroll just told us it's worse than a wide yeah, yeah exactly yeah all stays in play yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we're, we're going with for Simons is coming in are we happy with the rest of the back line outside yeah. of that so that's uh, that's that'll be, that's, a, be a team of Cluxton and goal I think no argument Fitzsimons McNamee and O'Sullivan is the you know kind of full back line that it doesn't matter you only need to have six backs think, and then yeah. you have Paddy Dirk and Donald Keoghan and Jack McCaffrey and I think we're going to be probably the only ones with Keoghan it's probably the only time we'll talk about this Keoghan probably won't get an all-star he didn't get on the RT team of the year he'll be nominated for sure and he had yeah. a brilliant season but we had him in here from day one he only strengthened that case through all of the Super 8 games and nobody has grabbed that Half back slot off him outside of the two lads that are that are in the team over the course of the dollar, and I think if you were going week by week like we have and building this team up, there's never been a, a performance to kick Donald Kelgan out. Yeah, I 100 agree with you. Um, James McCarthy probably's had more good games than Paddy Durkin, but Paddy Durkin has like had two of the best games in the championship, which I think you have to. You can't just this can't be decided on a cumulative how many games did you play in like how many games did you play well in like someone you have to take into account the occasion or the job you were tasked with and for Durkin to do what he did to both McCaffrey and Ryan McHugh I think warrants that all several but can I make a counter argument right so James like the James Carthy doesn't get into the halfback line but when he was at his best he was slightly forward forward in midfield mm-hmm. right 
and his, he's not going to get in ahead of Fenton, but David Moran is, you know, so all this stuff is going to be really small margins, really, really small. Like the, the what we're, is it's effectively nitpicking. But if you were to look at David Moran and scrutinize, he wasn't brilliant against Clare in the semi final. Against Cork, the narrative coming out of that game was that Cork's two midfielders were actually better than Kerry's two midfielders that day. He was sensational, absolutely sensational against Mayo. It was like a, an all time brilliant performance. After that, then, okay against Donegal. I don't think he was as influential actually that day. Played against Meath. Against Tyrone again was brilliant. So you're talking about two brilliant games now at this stage. First day against Dublin for an hour, I thought he was brilliant. I actually thought he was a lot more disappointing in the draw game. Kicked three wides, like three wides, lads, by him alone. In the replay, you mean? In the replay, sorry, yeah. yeah. Oh, I the, thought he was very poor. Like, I, yeah. I think if there's... James McCarthy doesn't get into the half-back line, but I think given how he plays played in midfield and Moran's kind of tendency there, and like you're talking about occasion as well, or the uh, standings of the games as well. Like In a final, he's the leader. Like That's the guy... Kerry really really need and I love David Moore more than anybody like yeah. I, I've, I've gone and cut clips of his passing and I've shown it to actually teams that I was, I was involved in as well but I still think that based off this year that James McCarthy might be ahead of David Moore I'm going to throw a spanner in the works as well because I was looking at it and I was thinking if I need to get if I want to get Kilkenny and Clifford into that team do you move Brian Howard to midfield <laughs> <laughs> make room for them so there's a lot of questions there I'll, can I make the case for Moore because my, my first thing is like I think that could be a recency bias thing as well because I know what you're saying. No, yeah, no, and you've right done though. your best not to have it as, but I think some of the conversation about him is because maybe he wasn't amazing in the Munster Championship. I think there is a point when you play two All-Ireland Finals, the Super Race, that you can probably leave behind the Munster Championship that you win pulling up. Like, you yeah, know, that yeah. the Kerry had no issues there. He was so good against Mayo and he was very, very good against Throne and I thought he was so good the first day. I know what you're saying, maybe not towards the end of the game, but I don't think Kerry would have drawn that game if David Moran didn't have a big game and I think they're three massive matches and there was, at least in the Mayo game, he stood out among, like he was like best performance of the season and I think that he has a lot of credit in the bank. I just think that what he did, what he did, his performance on Saturday, I think puts it, makes it a conversation which I don't think it was before then. You know, I think he's after putting himself down into a, an, an argument, you know, but I, I still think that he had some... It's kind of the Durkin argument that you're making about McCarthy. You're putting McCarthy in midfield and having and the same bloody thing again as consistency's working against them. But uh, I think Moran stood out a little bit more over the course of the year. I yeah, actually, is that like, wrong? I think you're actually... I actually think Mick is right that I think... I've, but it is recently wise to... Yeah. And the, also, the James thing about those three wides was he shouldn't have been shooting. I suppose that was what really annoyed me. They were bad decisions. Like if J- if if David Moran didn't kick three wides and didn't um, give away that ball at the end that Dublin got the equaliser from, if he just hadn't done those three things, how much of a better game did James McCarthy have in the two games than Moran? They're, they're big you know things, I mean? though. He did the do big, them. Yeah, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like he's the talisman. He's trying to do I, so much. Yeah, he is, yeah. he's tasked with doing so much yeah. more for Kerry. Then McCarthy has to carry McCarthy for, for Dublin. Yeah. McCarthy played the first few games of the he had, championship. Yeah, he, he, missed, he was injured. He's picking up. Yeah, he missed yeah. the game in Cork as well with injury. Yeah, yeah. So do you know what I mean? Again, I'm arguing against myself here because I could remember talking about that point for Dean Rock at the end, where James McCarthy and David Moore was one of them players who just put his hand out, sort of a desperation to try stop James McCarthy fly by him. So like that shows you what the energy McCarthy brings to that middle third for Dublin, but. I think he more has enough credit in the bank. Yeah. And there's that. no argument about Fenton, is there? Like, I mean, no, he played I, himself out of footballer of the year consideration probably in the last two games, but not an all-star. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, uh, that's um, spot on. The case for Clifford, right? Um, 
like if, for anybody the, the what I the reason that Clifford came out of this team to my mind for the draw game was that I th- I actually spent too much of that game on the kind of the fringes of a game when you need your so if you watched Galway and Dublin in the ladies game at the weekend right you've got a scenario where so Galway um, scored the only students scored two points in play against Dublin they did we talked about it a lot like there were, there were no in any way in any way they were not overawed by the occasion as we actually said on, on Friday like they, that, that part of our analysis was actually right their biggest issue was that they were doing so much hard work in defence that when they tried to get forward to attack they didn't really have an outlet so Tracy Leonard scored two points um, but they were both frees you had players like Olivia Dilly, uh, Olivia Dively and uh, Megan Glynn from Clare Galway who worked like savage hard like they were work, they were putting so much like really dogged shifts in dreadful conditions and doing kind of the donkey work that has now become just the norm for half forwards but their main issue was that as they tried to move from that scenario when they're putting all the work and like they dominated the first 15 minutes they had all the possession in that game and Galway just couldn't get an outlet like that's what all they needed was like somebody to hit and just say just take that ball and put it over the bar for us like that, that's what they really needed and David Clifford was that for Kerry on Saturday like the, yeah. the amount of times when he just came up when like Kerry so badly especially in the first half they just needed a score and it's like just give it to Clifford like, give it to a give it to a 20 year old and he'll do the rest for us and for that reason like in an all-around final to do that to carry that burden like we're talking about the amount of the expectation placed on David Moran like David Moran's nearly 10 years older than David Clifford and David Clifford carried an, a similar burden throughout for this game I, for that sole reason I don't think he did it actually in the draw game but he was still like I don't think he was poor I just think he was like he was decent for a 10 year old and I, he has been judged by higher bar station because of what we all expect him to go on to do but because he did it in a in the, re- in the replay I think he has to come back in yeah I think that to, to carry that load for at the age that he did I think he has to come in yeah the only thing is I think that one they didn't have him in the team of the year uh, on the Sunday game I was like how can a man score four points from playing in an all final and not be in the team of the year and then you realise five players scored four points from play on Saturday yeah. like Kieran, you all that point you made there right think of all of that and apply that to Kieran Kilkenny and then say that he also was man of the match in the process. He scored the same amount of points from play, got man of the match, was on the winning team, and yet he's not in our all-star team. But importantly, you think about what an all-star team is and what's the point of their own Credit all-stars, in the is that David Clifford was on that team up until the drawing yeah. game. Exactly. And he's, he's yeah. on it all year. Ex- exactly. And he had some brilliant, brilliant games. Let's not forget that. And I'm not saying Kilkenny didn't, but Kilkenny, to be honest, wasn't on our all-star radar. Yeah. Until, and like, I mean, Mark, we and you watched the first game together. And after about 56 minutes, I said, Jesus, that's Kieran Kilkenny. I've never seen him quieter. And immediately, <laughs> he said, he, I don't think he was off the ball for more than 55 seconds uh, <laughs> accumulatively over the next uh, game and 10 minutes, you know, because he was, look, let's face it, he was been the outstanding player, as Mark says, of the last 80 minutes of championship football. But how good was he up until then? And that's where I want to come in when you talk. I think it's, are we agreed that Clifford comes in for O'Brien? Is that the... Or are we saying Mannion? I think Clifford comes in for Colin McShane. So... Oh, way! This won't be heard by anyone else. This thing about top scoring is driving me demented. You can't stop talking about top scoring and start looking at average scores in games, right? That's... I think that's way more important than top scoring. Top score for average games this year. So, by the way... I don't know anyone's really... Are we talking about top score? I'm talking about... Let him say it. I'm talking about... So, Colin McShane, by the way, uh, is top scorer in this year's championship. I didn't even know that. Um, So, now... Average scores, Sean O'Shea is ahead of him with 7.3. Also ahead of him is Dean Rock, who's not in this conversation at all for some reason. Um, the, the games where... 
The, if, like we talked about the He is kind of in my head the, 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 <laughs> <laughs> You only came back into the team You know, you, you, you know when you talk about okay, like uh, You made a point there about from play right? So McShane like O'Shea actually Both took uh, a lot of frees for their team this year But you talked about the occasion When you actually need like Again nitpicking here But these are small things Against Donegal he kicked one point mm. That was the game they really needed Turn around for the court game He scored 1-1 They were seriously under the caution The first half there Against Roscommon He scored three points Now he racked up huge scores In the, the qualifiers But in those games he, That's his total Now I'm not saying That's not poor But I don't think he's as Streets ahead of Somebody else Then you talk about Free like free taking matters Like it does matter I've always said it Like that And yeah. But then you talk about Like So uh, My old friends Were bringing up on this podcast Every week Don't foul Don't foul the analysis In August of the, not just about free takers, but their conversion from freeze, right? So at the very, t- like, he's talking about if you're taking freeze, how many, like, so Michael Hurley, funnily enough, was uh, nearly at the top in terms of above or below expectation. So I'm talking, in terms of expectation, it's like, how many chances do you have? How many of them are scorable? How many did you actually convert? McShane had huge volume, as he did for Tyrone, because he carried that load this year. But he's actually one, the second lowest in terms of above-below expectation. He's actually one, minus 1.167 below expectation. The only player that's lower than that was Jamie Conlon from Meath. So he's down there alongside Paddy McBrearty, Boland. At the other end, then, you've got players like Matty, uh, um, Matty Donnelly, Paul Mannion, uh, David Clifford, Paul Ganey, in terms of being above expectation. But McShane was below. I'm, th- these are really, really small points. But what I'm saying is that when you looked to these kind of clutch players when they were really called upon, I think Clifford did that. And I think Tyrone set out their stall against Donegal. This is the way we're going to play. And McShane couldn't carry that load. Now, he's a, it feels almost harsh to criticise a player who's had such a good year. But you're talking about elite all-star forwards. And I just think that Clifford is just a, a percent above McShane in that forward line. I think he's the vulnerable link in there. He always does it for he's just like for every way you're like well Morris my gut tells me no yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark's water says I saw Colin McShane out there in front of his red hair a good few times this year <laughs> but do you see the, the, like, uh, but I think Clifford should be back at the team so, so our debate is over Colin McShane so are we can we boil it down to we're, so are we agreed on we'll agree on four here I think Brian Howard Sean O'Shea Conor O'Callaghan and David Clifford, right? Yes. We're reading those four. So what you've left there is you've got three for two. You've got Stephen O'Brien, Paul Mannion, and so you're trying to look at those two and Colin McShane. So you've got three, those three players going for two spots is what's left here, right? And Kieran Kilkenny. Okay. <laughs> four for two. I want you to... Here's the thing. I'm happy enough to leave Kilkenny, but I want to be convinced about it. Like, my, my argument... Are uh, Paul Gailey not a good year, is that... <laughs> Yeah, again, I think we eventually <laughs> we have to draw a line and say well. Paul, Paul Ganey had a very, very good year, actually. And I think Dean Rock, you know, for when he was eventually back in the team, had a really good year. And Michael Murphy had a very good year. <laughs> but I think that eventually we do have to say you can only pick six forwards, right? So, so the, I think I think we can we cast them aside and say Can I just mention before we get into this argument, I forget it. Sean Shea scored an outrageous point. The, one of the best points I've ever seen scored straight in front of the goals <laughs> towards oh the God, end of that yeah. point. As he was being blocked. He was, he was holding it off and he just seemed to... backwards. Yeah, and he just seemed to place the ball on... He kicked the ball... It looked like he kicked the ball actually out of his hand. Like, he didn't drop it. He just kind of got his boot... He got his foot down and his, or his foot up and his hand down somehow Mark, and just hooked it over the Mark back. says while demonstrating listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> You're going to chop my head off because I'm going on one more last hand just because we're not going to talk about Sean O'Shea anymore. Then we'll come back to the four and two right the point you're making about free taking and it's like i think 
we go, what? Yeah, what from play, what from play. Free taking almost, I think it should be taken out with the scoring, but then should also be like marked massively against their like player rating. So Sean O'Shea's perform, like his display of free taking in the first game when it mattered so, so much, and Dean Rocks, like as well, you know, like that's a massive, massive factor in the game and shouldn't be taken and the higher the pressure the game gets the better that becomes and is a massive thing and it's huge reason why he's in the all-star team i just don't think it should be counted in this the scores because you get the opportunities thanks to other people's work you know i agree with you so we're going for four for two here right the in my mind to my mind the weakest link out of those four is king kenny my the only argument i can make against king kenny is that he wasn't in the reckoning beforehand i think rightly because i like what Dublin got from their half-forward line in terms of... Kieran Kenny, I thought, was was go- really... For the last 17 minutes, has been brilliant. But as an entire championship is what you're trying to judge off here. And I don't know if he was as powerful as the other players in that... Particularly in that half-forward line, actually. Um, that, so that, that, Fair enough. I think that's the my only case against them. At the same time, like... I was thinking about player of the year when it's going in there. And I was like... Kieran Kenny almost decided. And <laughs> finally, like, does he... Uh, yeah. does he does also, I think the Dublin win game is by 15 points. So, like... Who's the best forward? Who's the best link man uh, that isn't making? Do you know, like Conor Callaghan makes an outrageous catch, and everyone's like, he's he's in there because of like he's he's obviously a brilliant footballer. But when you think of think of any game before the All Ireland final for Dublin, and one of the first images that springs to mind is the Conor Callaghan catch against Roscommon. Roscommon yeah, which is but like it's such a hard one all like, yeah Kieran Kenny did a thousand little things throughout the championship and we're never going to pay any attention to them because double won by 15 points move on next game who wants to analyse that <laughs> so, okay but we have to make some calls yeah, so, 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 <laughs> and we're, so, we're hours in here so we're down to three, three for two we're down to so I'm, my shout is McShane here so we also have Stephen O'Brien or Mannion Do, like, I think we're just going to have to go for a vote here like M- Mannion I don't think should be it, I think Mannion, the, the, if the case against Stephen O'Brien is that he had uh, two middling semi-final, uh, two middling finalists, I still think Mannion was better than O'Brien in those two finals, and they're probably at a level playing coming into it. So does that not mean that Mannion is slightly ahead yeah. of O'Brien for, for these two finals? Yeah. So, so are we down yeah. to O'Brien versus McShane? Can we can we cut it to that? I think so. I think if Paul <laughs> was in the full forward line of. Yeah, like if Paul Mannion was in the full forward in basically any other team in Ireland, he'd, bar maybe Kerry, he'd be the best forward. But it's because he's in the full forward line with Conor Callaghan, or in a front front four of Conor Callaghan. Again, it's that same exact same argument as Kilkenny. It's like, like really, should we just have Kieran Kilkenny? Should our all star forwards at the end of the day be the six double forwards? <laughs> no, as a unit, yeah. they work so well. But like. I think I think I agree on Mannion actually. I think that Mannion probably yeah. does stay in there. I think he always did enough in every game. So even he had a quiet first day, he still got two points in the first five six minutes to get Dublin going. You know, same again this week, uh, and he was very very good in some of the earlier games. O'Brien for me is just hanging on there. I'd nearly go for McShane ahead of O'Brien, and I think he. I'll tell you what Stephen O'Brien did this year that was so, so good. He was always this kind of worker. He was like Dunica Walsh Mark II, you know. But he just, he he always had it, but he just showed us so much more that he's just like, he's also a scoring forward. He's also, uh, you know, he's a, a attacking player as well as that kind of workhorse defense. And he just did it. I just thought he was so brilliant against Cork in the Munster final. I thought he was brilliant in some of the Super 8 games. I think he's tapered off a little bit, you know, and I don't know if he finished the season in that form. And I think that 
we obviously do wait the later games in the season, you know, and rightly so. And was he really that good in the last three matches? Like, it's a really hard one to... I, and I, Judging on the highest, highest level, he's the, the last call for an all-star here. Like, you know what I mean? It's not very far off. But here's the question, right? You see, he tapered off in those late games. Well, right? I thought he was good I against Tyrone. Exactly. I, I think that. Like, I'm just going to Dub- Dub- here. He was an 8 out of 10 against Tyrone, right? But, well, D- D- but Dublin, did a, Dublin did a brilliant job on him. Is that like, for all. Um, this goes. Mick made this point before we went into as well. Like, for, we obsessed about what will Kerry do to them. But whatever Dublin dedicated to O'Brien, they nullified him. Like, they, they, it was so. And John Small, lads, was, he, he's so. He's just such a demon. Like, he's. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I was going to say is. So O'Brien say we agree O'Brien had a very good very good game against Tyrone. So we're saying he's tapered off. We're talking about the All Ireland final series, we'll call it, because there were two games. So Cahan McShane gets in ahead of Stephen O'Brien because Cahan McShane, Cahan McShane didn't play in the All Ireland final. And was better against Longford in the He was I'm, already in there. I'm not trying to be disparaging, but he, like But so was O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, true actually, yeah. Like they I, I I almost feel bad like making this point, but like McShane racked up huge scores like Cavan Mark, like the running through the qualifiers. He like, beat Cavan on his own, though. He, like, was, <laughs> he was brilliant. Like, that day. But, but, like, my point is that, like, I, we have to make always make this point. You have to put stock in the occasion as well. Like, you have to what did so O'Brien doing what he did in the semi final, or yeah. especially in a Super Eights game, the best game of the summer from the Super Eights against Donegal, playing as he did O'Brien like, against Mayo, and then uh, yeah, yeah, that has okay. to mean Good. something. So I, I like, we're going to so be lynched if, for this when we put this up on like Tyrone fans are going to go. Bl- now we put in McNamee, it's grand. But, but, yeah. If you put but, it this way, O'Brien was outstanding against a Division One team in Tyrone, a Division One team in uh, Donegal, a Division One team in Mayo, and a Super Eight team in Cork, a Super Eight team in Cork. Division three, <laughs> this, I'm, I'm, but I'm going to end up actually go. I'm going to end up here just go around in circles because Comic Shane was very good against a Division One team in Cavan, a Division One team in Roscommon, and he was as good as he could be against Donegal. It was a bad display for he was as good as against Donegal as Stephen O'Brien has been against Dublin. But but think back to the. Think back to the think. think <laughs> yeah, that's we have to. Right? I have to. Yeah. The final point here. Think back to that court game. Think and you're like, he, I I know Machine ended up. I think he might have put one five, but one one from play. Think how O'Brien did against Cork. How good would McShane have been in that second half against Cork when they said push on if Matty Donnelly didn't do what he did? So like, how much stock are you putting yeah. in in their Tyrone's do do for? We're going down to a vote. I'm saying McShane comes out. Mick, I'm saying McShane is out too. Well, there you He's go. He's convinced me. Yeah, I, I've got to say, I've got to say, Stephen O'Brien just for the record <laughs> to make it two one. In a so, w- in a word, uh, we better re- run yeah. to our team here. Yeah. So our final, the ultimate All Stars rolling All Stars team is Stephen Cluxton, Michael Fitzsimons, Ronan McNamee, Thomas Sullivan, Paddy Durkin, Donald Kilhan, Jack McCaffrey, David Warren, Brian Fenton, Brian Howard. Sean O'Shea Stephen O'Brien by the skin of his teeth. I think um, I, yeah, you've convinced me. Stephen O'Brien just said Paul Mannion, Conor Callahan, and David Clifford. It's a good team. It is a good team. Yeah. But um, in a word, Mick, can I have your player of the year and young player of the year? Yeah. Uh, Stephen Cluxton is my player of the year. I just want to tell you, I, I want it to be a little bit more than a word, right? Because Cluxton has been, we would say, the best goalkeeper over the last however many years. But it's very rare that he actually even is the best goalkeeper of the given year, if you know what I mean. But it's so much more than he, the revolutionary 
the revolutionising of the game that he's always given credit for, but never in individual matches. So even like the kickouts this year, like it's it is what it was. Like you know they've they've tried to they're trying to take it to a different level, and obviously that's going to lose in conversion rate and everything like that because they're kicking it longer and so on and so forth. But what else did he do? He conceded three goals, a penalty from Luke Connolly, uh, Lee Keegan, and Killian Spillane goals that were unstoppable. Right, he was he made some way more saves than I ever remember him making just and and he and and another thing was from early on against Kildare yeah. oh he was just he was saving everything he saved penalty in the in the semi-final did he save a penalty in the Leinster Championship as well I think he did and um just so he was always there he made loads of really really good saves the save he made from Paul Murphy in the semi in the first day onto the crossbar was phenomenal I don't think people have talked about that enough it was an unbelievable save but also just he was um Brilliant under the high ball as well. And we're talking about that. We're talking about, like, you know, Dublin are vulnerable under the high ball. Cluxon commanded that. Yes. And, he, like, I mean, there was a point in the first game where he punched the ball out and it was, like, you know, to exactly where he wanted to, where the cornerback was, you know. He did all that really well. So I suppose what I'm saying is that we've made goalkeeping about kickouts and about joining in the play in the kind of Niall Morgan, Brody uh, style. But... As a goalkeeper this year, he was brilliant. He did all the things you're supposed to do, commanding his square and saving shots, plus all the other stuff that Cluxton always does so well. My player of the year is Cluxton as well for all the same reasons, so I don't have to elaborate on it. Mark. did it in a word uh, My player of the year is Stephen Cluxton. <laughs> <laughs> the only way, like, I thought I was going to have to fight that. There are so many good players, like Conor Callaghan, brilliant, we talked about that entire forward line. But I think if you took any one of them forwards out, like whoever it is, Callaghan, Kilkenny, or... Mannion, any of them. If you took one of them out, Dublin probably still would have won the All Ireland. Whereas if you took Stephen Cluxton out, they wouldn't. I 100% agree. I was actually going to make the same point. So, <laughs> Mick, young player here. I will do this in a word. Conor Callaghan. Does he still qualify? 23. Young player here. Conor Callaghan then as well. I think that's a nonsense for this reason that I don't think 23 should be qualified for young player. So, for that reason and for what I mentioned earlier about carrying expectation, Brian Howard. I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say David Clifford. David yeah. Clifford is. By the way, Shawnee Shea is borderline young player of the year. Yeah. I think it's going to go to Clifford, but but Con is Con's number two on the player of the year awards. Nearly, like I yeah. think. Well, I, I haven't so, actually thought about it, but he'd be first yeah. in my head. He'd be the I first. Think he person. might get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like as in, if you take out take away the 23 year old thing, as in, if you're just going Shawnee Shea or David Clifford, like Shea. O'Shea deserves so much credit. He's the Xavi or Iniesta and the Messi. Declan Sullivan to Cullum Cooper, you know, yeah. The people going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, yes, but actually Iniesta is really who made that team tick, not Messi. Um, like, O'Shea's let out like that. Right, so, wait, hang, what do we agree on there? Who did you vote for? Con. Oh, okay, so Conor Callan's going to... So it's a Dublin love in here. I'm not 100% sure on the rules here, lads. I've taken a flyer here. It is 23, isn't it? Like, I mean, Dermot O'Connor won it six times or something like that, so it has to be... <laughs> so we'll say, for, for, for now, <laughs> it's Conor Callan. in with a big shout. But, again, <laughs> but in case Conor Callan doesn't qualify, David Clifford David is Clifford. Yeah, going to be a, a closer in second. I thought would be voting for Sean O'Shea. Right, that's it. Uh, a Dublin loving so on this podcast. Um, speaking of which, the what a weekend for probably the best weekend in the history of Dublin GA. The Dublin ladies going completing their three in a row 
Um, Mick Bone called it a war afterwards. I think that's probably yeah. as apt as as the a, weather anything. was absolutely it was shite. Like unbelievable, it was a, and it was it was. I was out actually yesterday when it kind of started raining about kind of half one two o'clock, and it was that sort of it was the worst type of weather you could play a game of football in because it wasn't like <laughs> lashing rain. It. <laughs> it wasn't. I didn't know it was like that up there, but it wasn't kind of like the lashing heavy rain that you can kind of get. You know, you're kind of sopped and you, but everything is fine. It was that heavy mist that just gets you absolutely soaked and. And comes at you sideways. It's just heavy. Just, it's miserable. Yeah, and it, it just made it a really tough game to watch. But I have to say, I, I, I just think that this Dublin team, you, you talked about Galway earlier, so we kind of know what the... I think there's so much... This Dublin team are just a new level, I think, in this game. And look, Cork will always have the credit for everything they've done, but and Dublin need to go and do what they did to to solidify that. But I don't think, the, I don't think they've played the game on this level. Now, this was a different game because of the conditions and because of everything else. But just the way that, for me now watching, like when Galway were chasing the game as the countdown clock, it's such a different thing in ladies football. You're watching that, you're just getting that bloody thing. You know, if you're chasing a game, just looking at that countdown clock. But it's like, they could not get it. The, the work that the Dublin forwards put in, you know, you look at it and you see they got 2-4 or whatever it was, 2-3, and you're thinking, right, okay, yeah, not, not a great day for the forwards. Or the work the forwards put in, Galway would take two or three minutes and God only knows how many passes just to get up to midfield just the ball out. and then exhausted the Dublin midfielders or Sinead Goldrick or someone just comes in and cleans it up you know and Dublin have the ball back again and I just think that they like we talked about them on Friday as to what kind of a, the, the pace that they play at and that they play on the overlap and some lovely scores and all of this but to show the other side of it again from the same people the same forwards you know I thought was a real uh it was actually, it was a lot better to watch than two, three to four points suggests. Isn't, you know? it, isn't it a really kind of like, I don't know, there's something very exciting about both Gaelic football. We talked about Kerry coming and whatever will go on in Galway now, who I still think are, are, could be got close and obviously Mayo will, but won't be too far away either. But then you look in ladies football as well and you look at like all those players that I mentioned earlier are half of the like that under 21 team that won yeah. All-Ireland in 2017 you were talking like, and we didn't even touch on half of them you were talking to me off air we were talking about Ola Murphy the, the Galway's wing back who like again somebody who was from under 21 in 2017 hadn't even played in Core Park until this year suddenly like the that team is definitely coming you think about the thriller they played against Mayo Mayo went too far away either like the there's burgeoning comp, I suppose rivalries or kind of these legendary Rivals kind of developing across the board here, which makes for like the future is bright, lads, is what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, and you look at Dublin, we talk about the old guard with the men's team. It was the old guard that got them across the line in, in the end, the, yeah. Women's game yeah. yesterday, like uh, Goldrick, Lindsay Davy was outstanding. Those last two points as well, Davy and Healy. running over the pitch, giving it to Schneider Heron, sticking it over the bar, yeah. and then Healy's one as well it was brilliant, yeah. where she kind of decided to slow down she was like me this off. actually do you know what I'll just go on and score myself <laughs> <laughs> just tears on Lauren McGee obviously is brilliant as well um, if, what I loved as well was like last on Friday we talked about it in here we were talking about the game ahead of the match obviously we are talking about Sinead Goldrick going forward and sure enough she does and gets the goal but after leaving that I went across the shop and there was a little girl in the shop wearing a Dublin GA jersey with all the uh, Dublin ladies team uh, signatures yeah. on it I was like, that's class. That's yeah. just, just that shows you the the the, the example, the standard they've set, and what and the impact they've had on the um, young women around them, and and young boys as well. Yeah. Obviously, but like to get that crowd as well in Crow Park, another record in those conditions. Yeah, in the, yeah. Like as we talked about the conditions, but I was in I was in a, a shop at Swords uh, yesterday morning, and you know I got to, like there was 
the amount of Dublin jerseys around the place. It didn't. It wasn't because they'd won the All Ireland Day for. I think like there was a lot of kids who were like, you know, I'm wearing it again today. We're going to the match again today. There was a sense of a morning of a match that I have to say I've never I've never really experienced on ladies football final day before in Dublin. So that was I think more and more you're getting that now. Eventually we need a team to beat them in the same way as we need a team to beat the men. Like you know, but around the city at the moment, like or even maybe it's not around the city. Maybe you're not getting the bunting and everything that that you're talking about talking about both the men's and the women's here you know and they're having a homecoming in two weeks instead of tonight and all like there's a lot of kind of weird stuff about it being in dublin that people you know from ga communities around the country don't quite understand but there's pockets and there's just a general buzz and the schools and everything like that is just absolutely electric at the moment it's not killing the ga dublin um having all the success you know Right, this is our final show of the year. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed doing it. Thanks a million to everybody who's gotten in touch with us or come on the show um, or even gone, getting given out to us. There's been a couple of that as well. But, <laughs> um, but overall, it's been a really enjoyable experience. We'll be back probably around sometime next year. Um, uh, who knows? It could be back in a week or two as well or something, something, something <laughs> big happens. Yeah, <laughs> depending on the occasion, yeah. The Jim Gavin goodbye pod. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks, we'll argue about the future of Dublin football. So we, we, we pick our uh, All-Star 15 from the All-Ireland final replay. <laughs> <laughs> and have another hour-long debate about that. Lads, thanks a million. Take it easy. Thank you, Morris. <laughs>